and welcome to Rap Bites, episode 65. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, a quick catch-up, new tech toys, and rats the size of cats. More of that later. And much more of me, I trust. Of course! But first, yes, where have we been? Well, our little lad, Maya, was horribly ill. For those who don't know, Maya's our dog. And it wasn't good, was it? It wasn't, no. Um, it started off quite innocuous, actually. He just didn't seem his usual self that was a saturday night but then he got worse and worse so we got no sleep at all that night and he was just crying it was horrible painful to watch really wasn't it yeah i've, I've never well he's, he's my first dog so i've never really seen an animal in that kind of pain so it was a 3 30 a.m call to the vet and they were less than helpful that one how many vets did i go through that weekend <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? Well, I'd already gone through half a dozen in his ten years, and I think I went through another half a dozen that weekend. Yes, um, the first one said his mind had gone. But we've heard all this before, haven't we? Mm. Yes, when he, when he was young, he cut his paw. And um, when a dog cuts their paw, if it's bleeding badly, it's very difficult to stop it. So it was, I think it, it was sh- closing time on a Friday with that one. And I was in a complete panic. He was only about six months old and he was bleeding all over the place. So it's a case of put a plastic bag around it, get a bandage on him and get him to the vet. We got there and um, he'd already dispensed with the first one who thought he was a girl. That did worry me. Um So the second one was there and she took one look at him and said, well, yes, it's all in his mind. He needs to see a dog psychologist. (laughs) Money for old rope, I think. She was a dog psychologist, wasn't she? Oh, there's a surprise. What a coincidence. Well, I can't tell you what my language was like, but I'm thinking, no, he's bleep, 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 bleeding all over the floor. It's not in his mind. So, um, yeah, that one didn't go well. And um, I went through half a dozen this time. So um, we did manage to see um, a vet, well, I use the term loosely, who gave him an injection. And what was that like? That made him worse, really, didn't it? I think it stopped his pain, but then maybe it didn't. It seemed to send him out of his mind. It must have been LSD or something. (laughs) Didn't really know where he was, did he? No, he he was was walking into doors. That that actually freaked me out more. He wasn't whimpering in pain anymore, but he was walking into the furniture. So uh, that was that weekend. And um, it... The pain came back, so we went back to the vet again. They actually couldn't find anything wrong with him. Everything else was fine, apart from the fact he just seemed in great pain. But this is what vets are like, isn't it? It's all diagnostic and not actually doing much. I was alarmed at the length of time they thought it was okay to leave him in pain. Um, And you can't... There's certain drugs you can't give dogs for pain, so you can't just give them an aspirin or something, or or ibuprofen, which would have worked very well, um, because it's contraindicated for dogs. So um, by this stage, it was Thursday, wasn't it, from the Saturday? That's right. We'd had had no sleep at all, and um, that was when we had to take him in to see the... um, Well, it was for surgery, really, but it was just diagnostic surgery. So um, it was a 24-hour vet hospital, unusually on an industrial park. There is a reason for telling you this. And um, Mayer was more than up for going out. He was still wanting to walk. He wanted to go out for rides in the car. So really strange symptoms, to be honest. So we get there in the morning. By this stage, we needed Prozac, never mind the dog. And um, he set off for his last walk before surgery at an alarming pace, I might add, with you in hot pursuit. And um, you returned shortly thereafter with me, Maya, giddy as a schoolgirl at a Justin Bieber concert, and you, in stark contrast, <laughs> I could only say as white as a sheet. Do explain. Yes, yeah, so we were walking up this this 
dirt track and there was some like you know some rubbish in the in the in the, the distance well it wasn't that far in the distance there was some rubbish and i thought there was uh, those squirrels running around and i hope nobody nobody's eating whilst i'm talking about this <laughs> no 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 they've given up eating when matt bison's on <laughs> yes um anyway god I, they, they scared the life out of me there were rats they were massive Yes, rats the size of cats. <laughs> yes, but uh, Mayor wanted Who to play with them. Who was very interested in he them? He did, he, he was, he wanted to play with them. but uh, That's because he liked squirrels <laughs> and I don't think he knew the difference. I dragged him away. I was... Uh, I was scared... Yeah, don't, don't use language like I that. I was scared that he they'd jump on him um, as well as me. And I only had trainers on. If if I'd had big, thick boots, then I might have been a bit, be a bit more um, manly. But no, I was, I was scared. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, so it's all those it's all those horror films I've seen in the in the sewers. <laughs> you see, you should watch lesbian vampire killers and be done with it. I have it on good authority. There was no rats in there. Anyway, yes, that was our adventures with the mayor. So, um, after well, about fourteen hours later, we finally get him back. I was beginning to wonder. They seem to want to hang on to him, um, and he was nursing a rather large missing patch of fur. So he looks like a deflated Michelin man. He has um, a sort of belt round the middle with no fur at all, which he's um, keeping hidden to himself. And we're still waiting for test results from over two weeks ago. Luckily, he's picked up a bit now that I'm in charge. I should have qualified as a vet. Mind you, no, 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 no. They get you to vet school and that's when it all starts going wrong. So he is a little bit better, hence our return. I was sick too, but it was the furry one that got all the sympathy. Oh, you just needed turning off and on again. And you didn't think to try that with the dog? Amateur. Oi! Scrap, 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 scrap. Come on, let's move on, shall we? Uh, yes, Mac Bites the iBook. Yes, that was the last show. Wow, seems a while ago. Uh, but thank you so much for all your positive comments. We were overwhelmed, weren't we? We were. Thank you very much to everybody. Um, we should do another one, shouldn't we? Oh, good grief. Uh, just a minute. It wasn't you that pulled the all-nighter to get that one out, I seem to recall. No, but I was sat... Um, um, no, you were filling, asleep. Filling the kettle and... That's Siri's job. <laughs> Moral support. But, yeah, but Siri was sick. Mm, that's true, actually. So we also want to say a big thank you to Jane, who beta tested it. Yes, I surprised Jane. She didn't know it was coming. And I said, have you got a little bit of spare bandwidth to test something for me? And she was getting very giddy as to what it was. So thank you very much for that, Jane. She was in the right time zone at the right time, I think. She was, actually. In fact, you know what happened? I said, um, are you available? And uh, it was ooh, about six o'clock in the morning here, I think. So, nice afternoon in Perth. And do you know where mm. she was? Just returned from the supermarket. Mm. Yes, all the dirty secrets are coming out now. <laughs> a gratuitous shopping trip. Mm. Somebody has to do it, don't they, Jane? I know how you feel. Right, so moving swiftly on before, <laughs> before that lands at my door again. Yes, and also big, big thanks to Derek who came up with what I thought was a fabulous tip. Um, we didn't bother creating an account for the iBook and loading it up to the store, etc. We just put it out as a downloadable zip. And I just assumed that people would realise that you stuck it on your computer, added it to iTunes and synchronised. But people were saying, how do you do this on iOS? And you and I thought, oh, that's a good point because it's a zip file. And one of the limitations of iOS... Yes, you could probably download it, but then what? But Derek came up with a fantastic tip, so I'll let you do the honours for Derek. Uh, he said he downloaded it directly into Goodreader. He unzipped into zip files and then opened in iBook via File App Pro. Yeah, he um, said he didn't think of even using yeah. the Mac at all. 
which surprised me. I didn't think of using the iPad at all, which is a no. bit illogical for an iPad <laughs> iBook, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I think the, that's a great tip. I would never have thought to try that. I do use Goodreader. The reason I was kind of stuttering there was because I was just thinking about it as I was doing it, as I was reading it. I, it's not something I've tried, but uh, if it works, then great. Well, I'm reliably informed it works very well. It's very, very good, that. I think it was about 176 megs, so it's quite a big download as well. But it, if you can actually unzip into Goodreader and then pass it on from there, if that must be working better than it ever did for you. Because you had problems transferring from one app to another because of the limitation in it to 10 apps, didn't you? Yeah, maybe Derek's got less apps than Maybe me. Derek's more organised than us and doesn't cluster up his iPad <laughs> with rubbish. I've, I've taken to taking some stuff off to make sure Have that you? I... Yes, yes, I know, I was shocked too. Just to make sure that I can actually pass things around the apps that I actually use. But I'm, I'm a... I'm a sort of megalomaniac, aren't I, when it comes to software, and I have to try everything, so I'm going to have to be more disciplined. You know what might help? Another iPad. third iPad, yeah, hmm. right. That, that was very handy, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, we had a fantastic time at the iBooks Author webinar. Um, quite a few of you said you would have loved to have come along, but you missed it. So we put it on again. That was the day the dog had his surgery, so it got cancelled. But it is back. In fact, it's back twice, so more details on that later. So um, an opportunity to see how the MacBytes iBook was put together if you missed it. And at said webinar, Oz Rose can only be said to have made a monster. This was the pages on the iPad, wasn't it? Was it was such a simple question. I don't even know how we got onto it, but... Um... Well, Oz Rose was saying that she learns visually, so she was looking for like a video or a you know, tutorial with images, and it was such a simple question. The, the question was, how do you add a tab? Now, I, I've got pages, I've got Keynote, I've got numbers. I don't really use pages. Pages is probably the least used of the um, iWorks apps on the iPad for me. Mind you, having said that, I'm not overly keen on Keynote, but I do use numbers. I think it's the least used of the, um, the apps, the iWork apps on the Mac for me, as well as the iPad, actually. Yes, to be honest, it is, because I don't really write in a word processor anymore. Um, I like to be able to work wherever I am. So I'd probably be working in text format. Um, so you've got Evernote for that, or you've got Simple Note for that. And I tend to write in multi-markdown. So I don't tend to format into pages. I would actually dearly love to be able to use Google Docs, but I've not found anything that makes that work well on an iPad. So Rose's question was just how do you, you know, put a tab in? Which seemed so simple, but then when you look to the keyboard, there's no tab key. <laughs> Yes, not something that had ever struck me in two years of using an iPad because I don't really tab like that. Um, so, well, well, was it there was a tab key, but there was no way to set the tab? Something like something that. Something like that. So we thought, how difficult can this be? And about 20 minutes later... <laughs> we found the answer. <laughs> well, we did find the answer, but it was ridiculous. Um, apparently, I, I've never actually gone in and fiddled, but I went in and you can actually bring up a ruler and what what you were seeing on the internet when you when you looked up for tutorials was that there were um, alignment, there were buttons for alignment and it was just above the toolbar. So you extended the toolbar downwards and up popped all these buttons. And one of them allowed you to set the tabs. But when I looked at mine, it didn't look like that, neither did yours. So what had happened was a subsequent update had removed that feature and they'd buried it like three menus down. I think that was one of those occasions where I think if you'd used it initially and you'd then seen it now, you'd think, what were they thinking? 
because they haven't gained any space or anything. You know, the toolbar is about half an inch deep and all they've done is add a drop down menu with features to it instead of spreading them across the full width. Why on earth would you do that? So, yeah, I wouldn't give up until we, we'd sussed it. <laughs> so, Osrowan made a monster there, but we sort of fixed it. But not a, not a good experience, I don't think. So, I'm, I'm definitely going to stick with text, working with text. At the moment, I'm using Simple Note for it. But we'll discuss that when we look at mobile working here in the next few weeks. Another thing that came out of the webinar was from Graham Russell, who was talking about a scanner that he'd got. It was a Nikon or a Nikon negative scanner. And... His problem was there was no new driver for it. Well, we've all been there, haven't we, with printers and general peripherals when you update an operating system. So he'd updated his operating system and there was no driver for the scanner. Two schools of thought on that, I suppose. If you buy a scanner, then you buy it and it will work. You know, they guarantee it will work with what they say it will work with as of today. But you have no guarantees that they will keep that updated as your operating system is updated. The thing is, you don't know when Apple are going to bring out a new OS, uh, a new OS, as was proved with the Mountain Line um, uh, announcement. So you could you could buy something, and then two months later, it's, there's a new OS. I know you don't have to update straight away because you know we didn't with Line, but that's not the point, is it? No, I agree with you. So, but you are buying it on that basis, mm. aren't you? Yeah. Um, if they choose to update the drivers, then all is well and good. I've had issues with drivers even before the Mac. I had an Epson flatbed scanner on Windows and it, there was a driver with it. And sort of, It was a whole interface really to the scanner. There was no standard on Windows. So every scanner had its own kind of interface and it worked very, very well. And they updated, in air quotes, the driver to it. It was useless. It was completely useless. It would scan, but instead of letting you save a preference with your own name, it only saved them as like scanner setting one, two, three, four. And you had to have like a piece of paper on the top of the scanner to know which was which. How is that progress? So th this is the problem when you buy hardware. The thing that got me with this, and I had to agree with Graham, the, the price of this scanner, I think it if you've paid sort of £20 for something, Maybe you've got less of a claim to push them to update it, but this scanner was sort of seven, eight hundred pounds worth. I think if you're spending that kind of money, you've got a, a bit more moral high ground to shout from about updating it. Well, I suggested that he try ViewScan from Hamrick, which is the one that I used. And I suggested that because I've got that for this flatbed that I had. I'm sure I've said this before, but this old Epson flatbed, um, I actually use um, a Fujitsu ScanSnap now, and I use that pretty much all the time. So I'm not really in the market for a, for a new flatbed. So when I moved to the Mac, I thought I don't want to have to buy a new scanner. Um, and I just plugged it in and thought, I wonder if this would work. And I was absolutely polaxed when it did. It just worked with um, whatever was on the Mac. Um, but if you wanted more features, I was thinking I, I could do with something to scan it into. I didn't actually install any driver for it at all. It just knew what scanner it was, what model it was, the full thing. And I got ViewScan to work with it. Um, it does work brilliantly. So I would use that for photographs. I wouldn't put that through my ScanSnap. ScanSnap's really for sort of page-fed documents. Um, so I suggested that. So he tried that and that did work, but he's actually gone for something called Silverfast 8, which he said ViewScan was OK, but Silverfast was posher. <laughs> but either way, there were two alternatives to get that scanner working on a, a, an operating system that Nikon, Nikon are no longer supporting. 
which I think is odd because obviously there's no physical limitation. It's not something within the device itself that just will not work. It's just they can't be bothered to update the scanner software. Companies are like that, aren't they? It's just yeah. a very poor show. It a is. It's not show. good. Like I said, the, the more you've paid for it, the more annoyed I'd be. So always good that there are software alternatives. Neither of them particularly cheap, I don't think. But the, what the thing with ViewScan was, um, I bought that in 2006 when I switched. And I went for ViewScan. I'm not actually sure if it's called Pro. I think it could be called Pro. But pretty much the difference was you got free updates for life. So it might have been an expense. We don't have a look at it and see how much it was. It's on a Hamrick site. Oh, in fact, there's a link there, isn't there? Go and have a have a look for me. Um, but very good value because it just keeps giving and giving, and it is actually working well. It really allows you to scan a photograph and basically create a raw negative from it. So it is very very good software. I can imagine that there is something with a better interface. The interface is a bit clunky, a little bit not Mac-like to get to know. But the thing with ViewScan is it's cross-platform as well, isn't it? I vaguely remember there being a Windows version of it. I not that know. I ever used it on Windows. I don't know. But the price is $40 for the standard edition and $80 for the Pro edition. Well, I got it back in the days when um, it was $2 to the pound, so I did very nicely with that, I think. <laughs> because it's now, it, now it would be 25% more expensive, wouldn't it? But I would recommend ViewScan, and I've not tried Silverfast, but Graham seems to like it, so there's Silverfast as well as an alternative. So what else were we up to after our webinar and our adventures with Mayer? Oh yes, the 10.7.3 update disaster. Luckily, avoided, more by good luck than good judgment on our part. Um, it didn't go well, did it? It did for me. That's because you waited and <laughs> did as I told you to do. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those did situations. Did what my sysadmin told me. Yeah, yes, that always works. <laughs> yes, the problem was um, updating from software update. Uh, I try and wait for the combo update only because I don't want to have to update I think it's 11 12 max at the last count individually by downloading the thing on individually on just each one just think once. of the bandwidth dear exactly <laughs> and the time so um I decided to wait for the combo updater and I also had a webinar I think it was the next day and seeing as though I was demonstrating iBooks author I thought there's no way I'm going to risk putting something on that might break something else oh was that fortuitous yeah, really again, and it's not the first time this has happened, the perils of not using the combo updater, not waiting for the combo updater. If you only have one Mac, you might be tempted not to use the combo because the combo updater tends to be possibly up to 40% larger to download than just the software update. I actually think it's handy to have that there, though, and it's useful when you've got lots of different models of Mac. So I did wait. What happened was a lot of UI issues, and Rosetta died as well. Um, that was on, that was a disabled Rosetta via a security update, I think, on Snow Leopard. It was one of those situations where I thought with the UI issues, I can understand something, breaking something, but not something as fundamentally obvious as the interface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something subtle. Do you remember that printer update? There was an update they brought out and it made my printer turn on even when I was just printing to PDF. Ghostly printers, yes. Yeah, drove me insane. But I can imagine that that would have been missed in testing because, it, you know, not many people can have the printer attached and it do this and do that. You know, you have to have all the little ducks in a row for that to happen. But the interface, you know, if you if it replaces a button with a row of question marks, what were you thinking? 
What were you thinking? But the other thing that was worse was that a third party had a cure out before the Apple official cure for the Rosetta issue, which isn't good. And the Mac users sit there and laugh heartily at Windows updates. But the thing with Windows update was I would never dream of installing a Windows update for sort of a week, two weeks, maybe a month. You know, just just avoid it until everybody else has tried it. But some somehow with Apple, you're tempted, aren't you? Somebody tweets out, it's out, and that's it. You're there, software update, refresh, refresh. You can't help yourself. Luckily, this time I had a reason not to, but it could have been a close thing, couldn't it? You know, I haven't updated my phone to the latest, latest point one release. Now, that was a long time ago. Mm. Mm. Every time I connect it to iTunes, it, obviously it comes up, and I, all I'm doing is synchronising my podcast, so I'm thinking, no, I'll leave it for now, and I'm, I just haven't got around to it. Well, I know you had problems with it only offering you the beta one, didn't <laughs> that's you? Right. Yeah, that's right. That's probably why I gave up. Yeah, it, it would only offer you the beta one, even though the real one was out, so you left it. Now it's probably offering you the proper one, but I can understand. <laughs> you think, well, oh, I've not got the time now. I'll wait till the next one. No, it's just that Apple have, they put such nice touches in things. Uh, one of the things that I immediately noticed, because I take a lot of screenshots, is that in Lion 10.7.3, there was a new camera icon when you take a screenshot. So it's gone from being what looks like a sort of 1950s, 1960s with a massive flash on the top to something that looks much more like a digital camera. So they got a beautifully nice touch there, but they broke the interface. Hello? You know, what's more important? But they got the little thing right and, and broke the whole thing overall. I was looking at the forums and there were people screaming blue murder that literally they couldn't do anything with their machine. And I was thinking, why on earth would you put any kind of update on it if you've got no way back? Because they're geeks and they like to do be the first, I think. I think they want to be geeks and, and, sh and should back up first <laughs> to, to at least a clone. Because they were saying it was mission critical for work. If it's mission critical for work then don't do it. I mean, it was the webinar that, that stopped me doing it, which was just as well. But I did have an image that I could roll back to. Depending on the time of day they actually release that, I, I would probably lose a day's work. Um, but there I go when I say lose a day's work, it would be just in the software I'd installed and any updates I'd installed because all my data is off the main drive. So all of that is separate anyway. But if it's mission critical, what are you thinking? I mean, that's what everybody says when you come to a new version of Creative Suite. You know it'll break something. It's bound to. So don't put it on if it's mission critical. But I don't know. We, we trust Apple far too much, don't we? As was proved with that update. Mm. So yes, that, that could have gone smoother. The combo update worked for me very well. But I must admit, I did leave it. I did leave it for well over a week which isn't like me and I made sure I had more than one image to get back to so if you are ever ever updating even something tiny like a security update make sure you have a backup and don't just rely on time machine because what I was reading was time machine would not roll back certain things that was causing a problem so make sure that you have a clone backup it's far easier if you just clone the thing by all means have a time machine as well but you can't beat a clone backup as was found with my machine when it died a sad death. Um, my internal hard drive went, all I did, plug in the clone and carry on working. Time wasted, probably about three minutes to reboot, and then I just carried on. And then, of course, I immediately started making a third clone. Can't beat cloning, I don't think. Anyway, it's been a busy few weeks with quite a few highlights, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, not many that I've installed, I must admit. But uh, do you want to take the lead on that one? 
Tweetbot was announced. I think that was just before Mayo went in dock, and it was what I was using when he was in there. I'd had Tweetbot since version one on the iPhone, and I must admit, I wasn't keen on it. I couldn't actually tell you why not. I think you just get used to a Twitter client and you instinctively know where everything is. And then another one comes out and it'll have some fantastic features, but because you're so used to using something else, it will feel strange to you. And unless you carry on using it, you'll probably naturally gravitate back to the other one. But the iPad version came out. So I thought, well, this is how they have you, isn't it? New software, I must have it. So I downloaded the iPad version um, and there was an update to version two for the phone. So I downloaded that as well. I actually liked the iPad version so much that I tried the phone version again and couldn't remember why I didn't like it in the first place. <laughs> I know, what is it with me, dear me? Um, one of the features that I really liked was the fact that it supports Tweet Marker, which remembers where you're up to with your mentions and your timeline and your DMs. Um, irrespective of the client that you use. Now, I was using Echophone and I was using Echophone on the iPad, the iPhone and the desktop, and it has its own proprietary sync. But with Tweetbot, you have the option to use this tweet marker, which can be across clients, because the other client that I was looking at was Tweetings, and I really like Tweetings. It's got lots of features. It's probably got the most features I have ever seen in any Twitter client. Um, but Tweetbot's actually really nice. So it's actually handy that you can go between the two of those because they both support TweetMarker. Now, the problem with TweetBot was that then left me with no desktop client if because if I wanted to use Echophone, it wouldn't sync. Luckily, Asphora for Mac appeared. I think it was the next day. So I decided I'd give that a go. Really nice interface. Very, very nice. You've not tried that, have you? No, I'm still on Echophone on all my devices. I had tried it on the iPad, I think, a long time ago. But again, I, I just gravitated back towards Echophone. It's just, I know instantly how it works. I know exactly where my fingers need to be. So it, it was just muscle memory, really, that I went back to Echophone. But I gave it a go on the Mac. Um, it's not quite there yet. I'm hoping for an update. For instance, there's no automatic stream, which I'd really got used to with Echophone. It's instant. There was no count of tweets either, so it holds your place in your timeline. But when you look at it, you can't tell. There's no indication at all of how many tweets have come in since then. There's no indication of mentions or DMs on other accounts. So you can have multiple accounts. There is a drop down. You can have all your accounts. But what you get in Echophone was a blue sort of border around the button if any other accounts had mentions on it. And there is nothing like that on Asphora. I also think it really badly handles DMs. If you have a DM conversation going on, which obviously I did in Echophone, then I could go into my DM list in Asphora and I could reply to anybody who had DM'd me. But if I wanted to send a new DM, it really wasn't obvious how to do it. There was no sort of message to this person or anything like that at all. Um, it's deceptively simple. You just do what you would do in any account or any client, which is put D and then their name. But when you do, it comes back and says tweet sent. And that's the point you have kittens because you think it sent it as a tweet, not a message. That wasn't what you the wording you used earlier. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> but, but it had the same meaning, didn't it, dear? 
<laughs> do a little bit more flowery. Um, so those were the downsides of it, but it did have some positive features. It, like Tweetbot, uses Tweetmarker. So you could use Tweetbot on your iOS device and a Sora on your desktop and have them in sync. It also lets you have multiple windows, which Ecofon never did and it was something that I wanted. Tweetings lets you have extra windows. So you could actually create a list and then open that list in a window. Or you could have two accounts open in two separate windows. So that was a big plus point. It also allows you to send the tweet via a separate window, which was pretty much how um, Tweety worked. Remember Tweety 1? That was one of the early clients I used. Yeah. It it was, but it was the one that sort of came out and everybody was on it. It was a, one, it was a really good client before Twitter got their hands on it and, and it was a complete disaster. But it, it opened it up in a separate window when you want to send a tweet. Now, at first, when I went over to Ecofont, I thought, oh, I don't like this little line at the bottom, but I got used to it. And this one, of course, it's separate, so it's like gone back to how Tweety had it. The thing is, at first I thought, oh no, I'm, I'm, I don't want it to do that. But as I've got to it, I thought, actually, this is really useful. Because with Ecofon, if you want to send a tweet, then you send the tweet. You want to send another one, then you send the second one. But sometimes I'm writing a tweet and then somebody comes in and I want to reply to one before the other. And I have to copy it out and then reply to the second one and then paste the first one back in. With this, you can open as many new tweet windows as you want. You can also send from different accounts when you've got, you know, you can send from account number two with account number one open. And you can see which you're sending from because there's an icon in there. It's your, your avatar. So that was actually very, very nice. Um, I found that quite useful. The interface is really nice. It is very nice. It's actually quite iOS-like in terms of how you navigate between the screens. Um, it doesn't have touch or anything like that. Or not that I found, but then I'm using a mouse. Um, but it's just the way it works. So I'm, I'm actually quite liking that. And particularly the fact that it's got tweet marker support. So I've tried to tempt you, but you're not budging, are you? I will. I will eventually. Mm. Well, Tweetbot for desktops on the way. You know what I'm like. I always, I always hang back until you force me to. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Right. So moving swiftly along. Yes. When I get my big stick out, you mean? You were. Oh, you lucky lad. Yes. And VLC two made an appearance. You made an interesting comment about VLC. Did I? You did. Very erudite, I thought. What did I say? You said, hmm, that's great. I don't really use that. No, I don't use it. Um, that's right, I did. Um, I, I've got it. Um, because well, Of I, course you've got it. There's new software out. You've installed it. Yeah, I've got it. And I, I tended to use it as a last resort uh, if, if I can't open something in, in anything else. But I just tended to fall back on um, QuickTime Player for most things I want to watch. Yeah, I must admit, I'm pretty pretty similar. Um, it w I, I didn't like the interface. I never did like the interface. Um, but I did use it more than I use it now. I wouldn't say I'm a great fan of QuickTime, and I actually prefer QuickTime 7. I don't like that float-over window. Yeah, I prefer 7 too. Um, I haven't actually installed 7 online. I didn't know if you could. And I never got round to finding out. Um, but Yeah, I, I'm sure I've got it on here. Yes, but you had it to start with. You didn't over the top. Ah, yeah, I don't know true. if it would actually install and which version I need because there is an update that's for Snow Leopard and a different thing for Light. Oh, it's a mess. It's a mess. I'd rather they actually made QuickTime Pro, even if they charged you for it, you know, that gives you more control than that thing. So I, I don't know. I don't know with uh, QuickTime. I don't like the, the float over thing. So for that reason, 
I, I may be tempted to use VLC. I think for me, I am using it less because most of my media is centralised. And although I could probably connect to it via VLC, I'm actually using that stream to me. You know that we discussed a few shows ago? Yeah. And I'm finding that is absolutely brilliant. So I'm using that more. My, my media is very well organised. And like you, I think the only time I probably would be tempted... Um, I had a few Windows media files and nothing else would play them. So off to VLC I went. So nice to see it out, but I'm probably not like you, not using it as much as I may have done a few years ago. And it isn't, it's sort of a hybrid now, isn't it? It's got some kind of media centre services built in, sort of. Something yeah, like that, yeah. But not exactly to the, I mean, it's not Plex. If you want full media centre, it's not Plex. Uh, so it's more more manual in terms of managing it, but good that it's there, I think, and the interface is well improved. I like the fact that you could just drag and drop into the window and off it goes. So a nice update, but I think I'm not using it as much because I'm I'm consuming media in a different way. I'm probably watching more on my iPad. And something else that we're probably not going to use. <laughs> oh, yes, the Clear app. That was the Marmite of software, I thought. Um, somebody tweeted and said the majority of people buying the use clear app have no intention of ever using it for me it's like buying a piece of modern art and i thought that summed it up very very well colored paper mm. <laughs> i don't know i didn't really know what to expect i mean i'd seen a video of it and the interface did look so different that you wanted to try it um, so, yes, I bought it like everybody else. <laughs> and I did like it. I thought, yes, I can, I can see a use for this, you know. Very nice. But there were so many issues with it once you started using it. They're just really things that you've grown used to in other software that's just not there. Um, just in case you are the one person on the planet who has not heard about Clear, it's, um, to be honest, it's a list manager, isn't it? But it, it was pitched, I felt, by a lot of the stuff that I read as a to-do app. Now, yes, you would make a list of things to do and then you could take them off, you know, either cross them off or delete them, whatever. I don't think it's anything like a fully-fledged to-do app, though. So I looked at it and thought, well, I use OmniFocus. There's no way this is going to replace OmniFocus. But I could certainly see the use for it for just a quick list. In those circumstances, it's probably the fastest way to get stuff in there. Now, I know you you make quick lists in the Notes app, don't you? I do. I put my shopping things I need to buy and various other things that, that are just, you know, not repetitive, just one, one-offs. And I, I just stick them down in the notes app. It's the quickest way to do it at the end of the day. True, but then once you've got like a list of maybe eight items that you want to buy or something, then you'd have to either keep looking at all eight as you work, walked your way round and purchased some, um, or you'd have to manually delete them with tapping and making sure you'd selected it and then deleting it and then closing up the space in the list. I think for something like that, clear is perfect because you just swipe it and it's gone. Um, what what freaked yeah. me out was when you swiped it and it had gone, there was no undo. So if you swipe the wrong way, um, you swipe <laughs> one way to delete it and the other way to mark it as complete. Mm, that freaked me out slightly <laughs> because I think sometimes you, you will go the wrong way or it'll be an accident. Um, so a certain way to go, I thought, with Clear. But um, it was one of those things everybody bought. And I'm wondering, you know, six months from now, will they still be using it? Um, it actually comes it's, um, from Real Mac Software in conjunction with somebody else. And one of the things that straight away, as soon as I heard it was from Real Mac, they make some great software, uh, Rapid Weaver for a start. But I've noticed they, they have in the last 
three years, created various things and then they've gone. They've just completely vanished. One was Ember, which was a complimentary service to Little Snapper, which was great because you could send it from Little Snapper to Ember. Um, and it just disappeared. Now, that was actually a paid-for service, so that disappeared. Then I think there was... Um, it was an application for iOS, so it was for the phone at the time, um, that let you handle screen capture. And I think, again, it sent it up to Ember, so it was sort of little snapper for the phone. And that disappeared as well. That got sold on to somebody else. So from that perspective, I'm thinking, as a to-do app, I, I need something that will work today and will hopefully work until the end of my projects. Um, also, feature-wise, a bit lacking. But apart from that, yes, we all had to have it, didn't we? Um, they actually made the pages of The Guardian and they were sort of saying the same. At 69 pence, it's the cheapest app that you can buy and you probably will, and people did. I think they sold almost half a million in the first few days. So, um, yes, they're doing quite nicely. I don't know whether I'd use it greatly. One of the things that freaked me out was I was typing in a, a list item and there is only so many characters you can use as well. It doesn't let you carry on. It doesn't wrap or anything like that. So I got to the end and it started beeping at me and not letting me type any more characters. So I think it was saying to me, look, keep it simple, really simple and really short. So no, I think only focus I'll be sticking with. But if I had sort of, you know, pick up five items, I, I'd probably use it for that. But I don't see that it's going to have a great place in, in my um, daily repertoire of applications. But then maybe I just overcomplicate things. Now, going back to companies that uh, build things and then they disappear. Ah, Google! What have they killed this week? Not so fast. They've been adding stuff recently. Yes, I got notification that Google Docs were adding styles. I was giddy with excitement. Um, Google Docs and I have a love-hate relationship greatly because it's, know. it's not Wave. Um, the formatting is dreadful. The, f the formatting is dreadful and it looks like a document. I don't want it to look like a document. So having styles in it would have helped me do what I needed to do, hopefully faster. So I galloped off at an alarming pace to test it out, to find out that it was completely broken. Just completely broken. Um, it, they'd actually managed to break the documents that I actually had in there and it stayed like that for 24 hours. Um, it wouldn't let me apply any styles at all, not even the built-in ones, never mind adding styles of my own. Also, as soon as I typed something into a document, it came back and threw an error. So it was a dreadful 24 hours and I was thinking, why was I so excited in the first place? They're probably killing it. Yeah, so not good. Um, the other thing Google have been up to, of course, is this history business. Um, clear your Google history stuff, which they'd reminded me about, oh, about 3,000 times at the last count. So eventually, as I was seeing in my Twitter feed, this is how to delete your Google history. This is how to delete your Google history. I thought, you know what? I'll go off and delete my Google history. Do what everybody says. So I went in there and I found the place that you delete your Google history. But of course, mine's an apps account. And I found out I didn't have a Google history, which quite surprised me. I didn't know I had Google history either. Yes, I don't know what went on there, but I know as an apps account holder, we don't get a lot of things and certainly not in a timely manner as we found with um, Google Plus. But no, there was no history there at all. So it must be something to do with um, different licensing agreements or whatever. So I had no history to delete. I've probably got a lot of other Google accounts I should probably have deleted history on, but whatever. Um, there was also a fantastic video which um, I sent on to you and you really liked that, didn't you? Yeah, that is something I did like this week. 
Yes, it was um, a Microsoft advert ridiculing Google. So it was called Google Light, wasn't it? Google Light, yeah. Yeah, to, to the tune of Moonlighting, I think, uh, Bruce Willis, Sybil Shepherd thing. And it was very funny. It was very, very funny. It was all about um, Google killing things. Sorry, sunsetting things. And it was very Sun funny. Sunsetting. Yes, very funny. But a Microsoft clean-handed in this. All I'll say is Office Binder. Remember Office Binder? Office Binder's still going, isn't it? I've not looked in years, but it, they certainly tried to kill it. Office Binder was an application, I think it was Office 95 that shipped with Windows 95. And um, the logic for the need for Office Binder was clear. It enabled you to create better composite documents. So you could construct um, an overall document that included Word documents and Excel spreadsheets and have consistent page numbering and formatting and, you know, orientation of pages. It was fantastic. It was a great idea. And I, like you, probably straight there, tried it. Oh, fantastic. Obviously, we're talking 16 years ago, so pretty primitive. But it, at the time, it was fantastic. Um, I'd say only a minority knew it was there, and even fewer actually used it. I mean, did you actually use it? Once, I think. Was that for a demonstration? Because it was for me. Um, so I was thinking, well, because it was only a minority and only a certain percentage of that minority were using it, um, no one would miss it, at least until they killed it. And then there was an outcry by all ooh, three users, which meant, uh, so it was the next version of Office and they killed it. So that so it was it sort of came out and it was like, oh, and by the way, binder documents no longer supported. So you pretty much had a document which was a binder that contained multiple other documents and you couldn't you had no way of getting these documents out of the binder because the binder format itself was no longer supported so microsoft made an unbind binder app you couldn't make this up could you <laughs> it does sound very googleish this is what i'm saying microsoft did not come to this with clean hands um so they made this application that you literally put your binder document into and it unbound the documents so it really, pretty much like you at work when people say, can you reverse engineer this PDF into a Word document when it was never a Word document in the first place? Oh, yes. Can you unbake this cake yes. into its raw so, ingredients? So unbind binder. That's exactly what it did. It unbaked the cake. Mm. So that was the first thing that came to my mind. And the second was Microsoft Reader. Remember that? That was the green flog. <laughs> <laughs> Uncontrollable tea. The green frog, wasn't it? Um, its like icon that. its icon was like um, a leaf and it, it did look very like a lime green frog. It, I remember that that was... It was going to be a PDF killer, so the story went. Needless to say, Microsoft went hideously wrong with it, overcomplicated the thing. It never really caught on. This was years and years ago. It must have been easy, mid to late 90s. So I thought that was another thing that they killed. And what gets me with the things that they, you know, that they put forward and then they kill is that they get you to buy into it and then they kill it, which was exactly what they were accusing Google of doing. Now, we know Google do that all the time, but Microsoft were making out they were whiter than white and they would never dream of doing that. So I thought, whatever happened to Microsoft Reader? So I went and I Googled it. And guess what? It's sunsetting. It's sunsetting this summer. Mm, who knew? So it is actually sort of still there, but it is sunsetting this summer. So if you have documents in the Microsoft Reader format, you won't be able to read them. Mm. So a reader that, yes, yes. So Microsoft, funny, funny, but you're not exactly completely innocent in all of that. Um, and on to money, which is always good. Yes, that new service called Pingit, 
which I must admit, you know, you hadn't heard of that at all, had you? No, but I thought it was something to do with Ping. That was my problem. It's actually a Barclays Funds transfer service. But for me, too reminiscent of iTunes Ping for my liking. Believe it works very, very well, but um, I'm not with Barclays, so I've not tried it. I can see it catching on, though. Um, I think years ago, if you'd have said checks would have died. I mean, I remember saying to my mum, checks will be dead one day. And it was, no, 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 they won't. Oh, well, well, they are. I can see it going the same way. And I believe they're opening the service up. I still think it's a ridiculous name, though. Ping me some cash. Yes. Mm. It's a wonder iTunes let them do that. But uh, yes, there it is. And apparently all the other banks are going to jump on the bandwagon. I'm not sure about the security aspects of all of this. And one of the issues is it's got to work with an email address, hasn't it? Or a mobile phone number. And I wouldn't dream of giving the bank either of those, so I don't think I'll be participating any time soon. But I can see that others may want to. No, I think if I was going to go down that route, I would have to do it where it was an email address that only the bank had. And that's not going to work, is it? I have an email address that literally only government departments have. So if I get something to that account, it's probably genuine. But more importantly... My main email address that has been out there for years and years, if there's anything that purports to be from a government department, it can't be, because I've never used that for that. So I just delete with complete abandon on that account. But the way that this works is it wouldn't work if I had, you know, I created banking at mydomain.com and only gave it to the bank, because it would have to be an email address that other people knew about to send me money. So that won't work, I don't think. We'd have to have much better spam filtering and much better security for that to work. And then, of course, you'll be bombarded with offers and special deals from the bank, as I was with my insurance this week. Somewhere in that envelope, there was a car insurance renewal letter. The trouble was, I counted them, there were 16 flyers for other services. Have I lost you? No, I'm still here. I'm listening to you ranting. Oh, fair enough, then. <laughs> So I think it would go down that route. But I'm, I guess you'd try it, wouldn't you? Mm, I probably would. Yes, I know you would. Because <laughs> you use PayPal like that. I tend not to. I just tend to buy things with PayPal. But it's been interesting to see how it develops. So uh, that's one to keep your eye on, I think. As is another service that I heard mentioned today, uh, UView. I thought that was a bit of a rip-off of YouTube. I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised they were allowed to call it that. It's um, a UK-based internet TV service. Um, and it brings together output from various channels. Now, I hadn't heard much about this, but it seems to be one of these things that's been put off and put off and put off. And now they've got Alan Sugar involved to sort it all out, which freaked me out a little bit more. Oh, Sir Alan. <laughs> Have you read it? No. It's, it's Lord Sugar now. Oh, Lord Sugar. It's been promoted. <laughs> yes, he was brought in, apparently, to, to kill it or fix it. So, hmm. He's killed it <laughs> well we're not quite sure no apparently it's going to launch in may but i think it's one of those things to be honest i don't know if they, they've not waited too long because we've all got other solutions now really haven't we it yeah. would have to be pretty spectacular i think to um do well at least immediately it could be a sort of slow burn but i think you've got iplayer that pretty much works and there's yeah, tv, TV catch, up. catch up i've got um itv that i can stream anywhere anytime so there are alternatives there's the sky app of course if you're into films and sport so i'm not too sure about that but if it comes in may i'm no doubt we'll all have a look at it 
And Apple weren't idle either in our little absence, were they? No, they've been putting lots of things out, haven't they? Bit of a surprise there. Yes, again, it was the day that Mayo had his surgery that Mountain Lion was announced. And um, I won't use the exact language that you used, but you asked if it was a joke, didn't you? When I said, oh, look, somebody say Mountain, the, the next version of iOS, um, that, oh, uh, dear me, the next version of Mac OS X is coming out and it'll be called Mountain Lion and you thought it was a joke. Yes, I think uh, we had, uh, what do we have, Mo- Mountain Goat? Yeah, Mountain Goat, yes. Mountain Rescue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mountain Rescue for, for the disaster that's Lion. <laughs> that was my favourite, Mountain Rescue. I actually, the one thing that I really loved about it was that they managed to keep it a secret. That I was really impressed with. So it was really surprising news. There was no sort of event with it. Um, it wasn't at something like WWDC. So I really like that. It's so different from the hardware announcements, which are done to death now. So that I was impressed with. Um, the features, hmm, maybe not. Uh, Gatekeeper, yeah, freaked me out. Um, supposedly more iOS-like. Oh, joy. And of course, along with it came Messages Beta. Yes. But of course, we couldn't download it. I wasn't at a Mac. How horrendous. The one time they announced something that that I could immediately test, I wasn't at a Mac. Um, But we've since tried it. Yes. What do you think? (sighs) It's a catastrophe. It's been been fun, hasn't it? (laughs) Do you want to explain about the text-based disaster from last week? (laughs) Yes. I hadn't even installed messages at that stage before it, it all went south. And we were having freakish problems with iMessage, um, not sending them in the right order. They weren't, some weren't arriving at all, some were arriving days late. This it, has been going on for a while as well. Ever since it? iMessage started, it's just yeah. never worked properly for me, I don't think. I mean, I've, I've said in previous shows, haven't I? I said in the last show that um, I'd had enough of it, I was turning it off, it was never going to darken my doorstep <laughs> again. Yes, but that's not that's not how it's ended up, has well, it? No. Let's explain properly. Um Yes, what happened with that was we, we insisted on testing a little bit more, but then it, it, it went worse. So I was going to try message beta for the desktop. Um, but before I got that far, this was the day after Maya's surgery. Um, as everyone knows, I don't text much. And when I do text, it's to you. Um, I've actually checked this month and it's the most texts I've ever sent in a month, almost 200. So it was your first day back at work and I grabbed the phone for a quick text and I'm busy typing it in. Now, what you need to know for this to have any meaning whatsoever is that we have stuff for the dog. We we have sort of a, a bag with all his stuff in and there's the dog gate and there's all sorts of associated paraphernalia with a dog. And it's either in my car or it's in Mike's car. So um, I needed to know where this stuff, in air quotes, was. So I grabbed the phone and I tapped out a quick text and I hit send. That was when it all started to go wrong, wasn't it? <laughs> because as soon as I'd hit send, I thought, oh, have I sent that to the right person? <laughs> now, normally, I literally, there's only you. So I just go into the messages and then whatever message is there, I just type a new message and, and hit send. Uh, unfortunately <clears throat> for Carrie, sorry about that yes, <laughs> yet again, um, Carrie had texted me and um, the, the text I was trying to send to you, I sent to Carrie. Oh dear, oh dear, the embarrassment. So I had to quickly copy and paste it and send it to you and then get back to Carrie and <laughs> apologise profusely. I was um, incredibly lucky that the text language of wasn't worse than it was. 
Yeah. So um, I'm calling that text gate. <laughs> I squitchy I'm gate. To, I'm not fit to be let loose with iMessage. <laughs> this is clearly my problem. I've never done that before, but then that's what I'm saying. I, I need to take the text back, don't I, to the window with the, with the list of people. Yeah. Yeah, I need it taking off me is what I need. So, uh, yes, not good. And this was before we tried messages, but messages... I don't really know what to say about that. In one way, it's working better than the phone, and in another, it's not. It, for me, it's working better Mac to Mac. Yeah, we've had fun, though, haven't we, where it's not turning up on the phone and things like that. It's. I think it's all to do with um, the ID that it's sending. So if you've only got a phone, assuming that all the messages come through, then you're probably fine. What I'm finding is if you've got messages open on the Mac and you've got your iPad sat there and your phone sat there, I'm only getting a subset of messages on uh, my iPad and my phone. But I am seeing every message in messages. So it's, for me, it's working much better on the Mac. But I really seriously wouldn't want to rely on it um, on an iOS device. But you've found a bit of a a glitch, shall we say, because you turned iMessage off on your iOS device. Yeah, what I'd done is I, 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 I turned it off and I had it on my laptop at work and I was, I was texting you. But then I decided to text my boss from the, from the, the laptop to her iPhone because I, you know, I wanted to show her that you can now text from the desktop. So we, ha we were having this conversation via text and uh, that was it. I closed at the end of the day, I closed the MacBook down, brought it home. And then later on, I logged into um, messages on my other laptop and a message came in from her, which she'd sent about two hours ago and hadn't come through to my phone. So like you're saying, if, if no, I did have I did have it turned on on the phone. No, oh, I thought you didn't at that um, point. I can't remember. No, I must have had it turned on on the phone. Um, but the point is, I think that because it was started on the Mac, it wasn't coming through to the phone. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem. Yeah. Um, but you'd actually shut messages down at that point. Uh, to me, if it can't deliver that message straight away, it should then go onto the second device or send it as a text. But it yeah. didn't. It just kind of stored it on the server, and you only found it when you when you sort of. I wouldn't say inadvertently, but you may not have started messages just because you did. That was when it turned up. Mm. So you really had to turn iMessage back on or uninstall messages? Yeah, I've got it turned back on now. You know, Apple will drag you their way, whether you like it or not. This is how they do it. Because you turned it off completely and it was causing nobody any problems until you installed it on the desktop. <laughs> Which I had to for testing. Hmm. What would it do if you didn't have it? I mean, your your Mac could, could disappear or burst into flames, which is quite common here. <laughs> then what? Where would it uh, keep it then? Would it ever come through to the device? I'm not 100% sold on this yet, but I, I'm hoping with it being a beta, it will improve. I just mm. wish I could get it... If I saw the same messages at the same time on my iOS devices, then I'd be happy. But sometimes I'm getting sort of seven... And we've had a conversation, and then two hours later, I get like seven, eight, nine messages coming through, straight away, one after the other. So it's sitting there pinging itself, but they're two hours late. So what's the point? And I've already had them anyway, so it should know that, because I've replied to them. Having said that, today, when you were te texting me, and I had iMessage on, on the phone... Um, and on, on the laptop, they were coming in in sync. And as I was replying, I was seeing that on the phone as well, even though I was re replying from the laptop. 
Mm. So that's, I, that, I think, is the one and only time I have seen them totally in sync. No, mine, mine were two hours off today, so I don't know. Maybe it depends where you are as well. I don't know, but the, well, I would say we're not quite there with that yet. No. But another thing that Apple, I won't say surprised us with, but we have an Apple event this week. We have See and Touch. Quite an invitation. Mm. We're thinking iPad 3, but I'm not going to say it because it could be iPad 2S. But either way, there's an event. I'd also like to see an Apple TV. Mind you, then I'd need a TV. Now, I want an Apple TV for presenting. So I'd like to see a new Apple TV. My mum, I told my mum there was an event and she was thrilled. Oh, do you think there'll be a new Apple TV? Wow, she's become an Apple fan girl. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day. Mm-hmm. So she's very excited. Um, th- what I'd like to see on an Apple TV is a Bluetooth keyboard, please. You know, it's £60 more Apple. Just do it. Because when I have to type in my super long network key of hieroglyphics on that stupid remote, it drives me insane. So I'd like to see something like that. That would be very nice. And of course, should I mention it or will it put a jinx on it? Oh, I'll mention it. I work. Oh, please. (laughs) But I'm not hopeful. I'm not. Because we've since heard Office for iPad. What do we think? Yes, no? Yes, I'd like to see Office for iPad, but you know I'm an office geek. I really couldn't care less. I just want iWork. And I, it's not for iOS. I want it for the Mac. Please update iWork for the Mac. Please. Keynote is now so far behind PowerPoint, I could cry. So please update. Yes. Office for iPad. Mm, not too sure. I, I can see the benefit for Microsoft. I'm sure you can. Definitely. Definitely. You know, sell more copies of the iPad. More copies of the iPad. More cop- <laughs> well, it sell would. Sell more copies <laughs> of office and sell more ipads it's you know, beneficial all round break into the business market apple sell hardware so mm. it would help them and microsoft sell software so it would help them can't see why not really it also won't be one of those apps that's 10 pounds knowing microsoft um they've already ventured in there with OneNote, which does have in-app purchases i can see that they would want to i'm just not quite sure how that would work they may want to keep it for their own tablet device, but I can't see the benefit of that because they're not a hardware company. Would yeah. they be on stage to announce it, though? Would Apple share the limelight? I don't think so, but you never know. You know, this new Glasnost era. What? Glasnost. Oh, where they queue for bread? <laughs> no, where they queue for Apple toys. Well, they've always queued for <laughs> Apple toys. <laughs> I don't know. Mm, I, can see, I can see the benefit for both of them, but I don't know whether either of them would be prepared to admit it publicly. That they actually, I, I do they need it. each other? I doubt it. It would get iPads into enterprise at enterprise level without having to use the back door, which is pretty much what you're all doing now, isn't it? It is. Yes. You're all using these fantastic services like Evernote and Dropbox, but nobody's admitting it because <laughs> it, it goes against corporate IT policy, Yeah. which prevents you from doing any work whatsoever as I seem to recall, like today. Yes. Somebody unplugged the server and that was the end of that. Mm. Yes, my, uh, my my files that I needed were on my uh, network share. My backup was on another network share and a third backup was on my Dropbox, which I'm not allowed to access officially. So Dropbox it was then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous, it really is. They should offer some kind of corporate service Dropbox and um, make a fortune. So, what would we like to see on this mythical iPad 2S, 3, 4, 5, whatever? Price drop? About 50 quid? <laughs> <laughs> Retina display. 
20p price tag. <laughs> oh, yeah, yours was cheaper than mine. Um, <laughs> That'll do me. I think, uh, I think Retina Display is... Can you imagine how disappointed people are going to be if there isn't one? Yeah, Retina Display is a given 20p price tag, isn't it? Yeah, afraid so. I think there'll be some sort of software as well to showcase it, and Aperture would seem a logical one to me. So would I work. So would I work, yes. <laughs> then I could have my slides any size I wanted. That would be a, a big feature. Uh, but no, I think it'll be new software. I don't think um, an update to existing software would be exciting enough for them. So... Um, Mm, I'm thinking Aperture, it's sort of the one that's left. Unless, of course, they bring Logic in, but they've already got GarageBand, so I'm thinking Aperture. I think there would be a market for that. It would also uh, get them to take the lead over the other ones that are in the photo market, such as um, Lightroom, which is now in beta, Lightroom 4, and that Corel thing that came out, Aftershot Pro, which I haven't tried, I must admit. Can't trust Corel with stuff. They're another one who brings stuff out and the next minute it's disappeared. That's um, true. But it's quite cost-effective, and I think it's cross-platform, which may appeal to some people, whereas, of course, Aperture isn't. So, uh, lots to see, think, talk about, yes, and we'll be covering it all in a MacBytes Live on Wednesday from 5.30 UK time. And also this week, the App Store hit 25 billion downloads. It did, and most of those were probably from you. No, not all of them. <laughs> fair well, percentage. 24.5. <laughs> fair percentage, I'll grant you, but no, they weren't all me. And neither did I download the 25 billionth download, unfortunately, which apparently came from China. But not to worry, I shall aim for the 50th. I'll download another 25 billion. Coming up to the 50th, that'll sort me out. It's been a great week, software and hardware-wise, hasn't it? Yes, indeed. Uh, mirroring iOS devices to your Mac. Like buses, something that we've wanted to do easily for two years. And three methods come along within 24 hours. Uh, first of all, we'll look at two inexpensive software-based solutions with Reflection and Air Server, and then a more expensive solution in terms of a Blackmagic Intensity Extreme. Um, what we're looking at is capturing the output from iOS devices, so iPad, iPhone. The thing with this is for it to work completely in terms of seeing all the output from the device, it must be either an iPad 2 or an iPhone 4S. Not even an iPhone 4 will do it fully, which was a bit of a problem. I know when you decided that you weren't really bothered about an iPhone 4S. Yeah, um, no, I was going to say now I wish I got one, but um, now I wish I got one. <laughs> Yeah, for training purposes, um, what the other devices give you, including iPad 1, because you were having a play with that, yeah. weren't you? It can mirror to some degree, but on iPad 1, you need to have software support for it. So if the application supports mirroring, then it will work. And that's the same right up to the iPhone 4. Um, but as I say, there's only iPad 2 and iPhone 4S that will give you full mirroring, which doesn't sound like too much of an issue. But in terms of training, if you're showing somebody how to do a job, you often need to move from one application to another and you just get a black screen. It just wouldn't work at all. So... um. I think it's a shame that this only works with the very latest kit, um, particularly because that's what I would be doing with it, training. But to take a look at the first one, the first one that came out is called Reflection. Uh, it's $15 or $49.99 for five licenses. I don't know if it's activated. To be honest, it didn't seem to be. 
Um, it gives you quite a long license key and you literally just copy and paste that into the app. So it's not one of these licenses you drag and drop and then it, it rings the server. It didn't seem to be activated. Uh, what it may do, uh, the five user license may check for how, how many other copies are running. It might do that. But I've had no problems with that so far. In fact, it was zero configuration and setup. It really did just it work. It really did, didn't um, it? It did. I was so surprised. The only thing with it is until you buy it, you only get a 10 minute trial and it said like 10 minutes. So I thought what it would do was it would automatically close after 10 minutes and then I could I'd get another 10 minutes. No, uh, the trial is 10 minutes. So don't <laughs> blink. If you want to try it, install it and test it straight away. Um, so I installed it and thought, wow, that was easy. It did need a reboot. Uh, I mentioned that because um, Air Server didn't. Uh, so it did need a reboot, but once you'd rebooted and you ran the app, it just worked. I was amazed. So uh, the 10 minutes was probably enough, to be honest. Um, if all you want to do is just look at it and think, yes, it works, that's fine, and then buy it. Like, literally, that was it. What it does is it turns your Mac into an AirPlay receiver, so it becomes just like an Apple TV. So you activate AirPlay on the device, uh, your iPad or your iPhone, and you're done. That's it. Um, I will say, the, I personally think the way that you activate that at system level on, on an iPhone is tricky to find. Now, yours hasn't got it, has I it? I don't think it has. Um, so you've probably not tried doing it. Yeah. Well, on, on an iPad, you just go to the system tray at the bottom and you swipe across to the right and it takes you back to the controls, um, you know, the play forward back. And from there you have an AirPlay icon. Simple. Uh, you tap that. It gives you a list of AirPlay receivers. You tap the one you want and you turn mirroring on and that is it. Yeah, have um, you got that on the 4S? Is that how the 4S works as well? Well, I'm just coming to that. It's slightly different on the phone and it throws me every time because every time I'm in the settings looking for it. And it's not in the settings. You do the same thing. So you double tap the home button. You get the bar at the bottom. You again, you flick that across to the right and you get taken to your play button and your backwards and forwards and the rotation lock. You actually have to swipe again to the right to see it. And it throws me every time. I think it's bad enough for new users who may not be aware of that, that you actually have to take it across to the right. But to do it twice, I know it's there and I forget. So that, that's, that's one slight issue with the phone. Have you tried it on yours? Yeah, and you don't get that. If you swipe across again to the right, you just get the volume slider. Yeah, so it is different on the 4S, but I just think it's... it would. I can see why they've had to do it. They just don't physically have the space. But to, to know to do it is awkward. Um, it might be more obvious if it was in the settings. So, but that's nothing to do with the actual software itself. That's just the way the phone works. So what happens is when you activate it and you send the image from your iOS device to your Mac is that it displays in a large window with the frame of the device. So if it's an iPad, it actually physically looks like an iPad on your screen. If it's the iPhone, it physically looks like an iPhone. The Which I think is rather cool. It does. It makes it very nice for training. Um, you can turn the frame off, but it just doesn't look right, does it, somehow? No. No, it actually, it's quite nice that, that I think that that frame is there. The frame is only black, um, 
So you couldn't choose to have a white frame if you happen to have a white iPad. It doesn't pick that up from the hardware, strangely. <laughs> so it is only just the black frame, but I actually think it's quite useful to have that. Um, you could turn it off and make your own surround if you wanted to, if you really, really wanted to. Um, there is a full screen option and it's a standard lion look with the grey cotton background and a useless second monitor which annoys me. Um, if you're training and you've got that on a screen, I think you would want to see the other monitor. I'd love to see an option at lion level that you can say, please leave my secondary monitor alone, but it just, you know, blanks it out with more grey cotton. Um, for training in a webinar, it's fantastic because what we've been doing is using an IPVO P2V camera, a point of view camera, um, and you literally it's on a sort of neck that hovers over an iPad and you use your iPad and they can see your finger on it. Um, this is going to be brilliant for webinars and um, we demonstrated it, came out last Thursday and we had a webinar in the evening and we demonstrated it to much whooping from our fellow trainers wasn't there? There was yeah. They were really taken with this so I think uh, we got quite a few sales for them there. So it worked really well. I was wondering how smooth it would be because when you're swiping on your iPad, you're interacting with your iPad, it is mirrored instantly. It is very, very smooth. I wondered how that would translate in a webinar where I'm not sharing the iPad directly. I'm actually sharing my Mac screen, but it worked very, very well. People were very impressed. Because of how that works, that it sends the image of the iPad to your Mac, you can create recordings by using just any standard screen recording software. So mine is ScreenFlow, but you could actually just use QuickTime if you don't need anything fancy. You can create a screen recording in QuickTime and it would record whatever is on your iPad that is being mirrored to your Mac. Um, with reflection, there's nothing in the menu bar. It runs in the dock, so it's virtually faceless if you hide your menu bar. Or if you do have a second screen and you're not going full screen, then obviously you, your dock would be on screen number one. So you could do it that way. It worked with every app I tried, but I did have three issues. Um, iPlayer crashed reflection regularly. Um, it actually took away the iPad mirroring. So the iPad disappeared from my Mac screen. When you're playing iPad, um, iPlayer content as well, although you've set it to mirror, it doesn't display it on the iPad. Um, it knows it knows somehow what it's doing. So on the iPad, what you get is the interface of the iPlayer. What you get on your Mac is what you're trying to play. The problem was, I would say it crashed in under five minutes every time I tried it. Um, I think, being honest, because I'm going to talk about AirServer shortly, and that had similar issues. I think it's an iPlayer issue. I don't think it's the software. The software managed perfectly well with everything else. Um, it does respect the DRM, so no Sky Sports mirrored to a larger screen, which you were interested in, weren't I you? I was interested and I was disappointed, but to be honest, I didn't expect it to work. No, it doesn't work. It does respect the DRM. Um, and the other thing was the audio sync was, was off. So if what you're um, reflecting to your Mac um, is something like, uh, I tried um, the radio app, TuneIn Radio, Obviously, with that, if the audio sync's not quite there, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's no visual going with it. And if it's a webinar, I, I don't think it would matter if you're watching a webinar or something and you're mirroring that. But if it's a, it's, if it's a video, a film, something like that, then it would. I'm sure that will get better as time goes on. But at the moment, I don't think you would want to sit and watch a film that way. 
But overall, I thought that was a very good piece of kit. And if you just want the single license, $15, I thought, was a bargain, given the alternatives up to now have been incredibly expensive to do the same thing. So it's certainly something, me as a trainer, I would definitely have um, in my toolkit. So I definitely, I bought that straight away. 10 minutes was enough of a demo for me. I bought it straight away. And um, the very next day, Air Server was updated from version three to version four. Um, by comparison with Reflection, it was a complete nightmare, both to purchase and set up. I looked at the site. I couldn't find a trial at all. So it was a case of watching a video and seeing if you wanted it or not. So I decided I wanted it to do a comparison with. So I bought it. Now, difference is you get um, the license that you get with that is that you can install on five Macs, according to the blurb. Having purchased it, you then download the software. So you're taken through to their e-commerce provider and you're given five attempts to download the software. So what happens after that? I have no idea. If you, if you needed it again, because you can't just go and download the trial and plug in a serial number. I have no idea what you're expected to do with that. Tough. You, own, you only get the file after purchase, which I, I don't like. I don't like that. But then it got worse. It's an activated software and there is no deactivate option. Now, I'm sure every self-respecting MacBiter knows my feelings on activated software. Yes, we all know. Yes, I thought so. Well, this was one of those occasions because it would not activate for me. Uh, you're given a serial number, so you plug that in, you click the button and then it goes off to activate and it wouldn't activate. So I'd press the button. What I was seeing on the screen, it was remaining pushed in and there was sort of something moving around. But after 20 minutes, it still hadn't activated. So not a good first experience. So I had to force quit it and try again. The second time it said it had activated it. So I thought, right, let's have a go with it then. But as soon as I tried mirroring to it, it gave me a message saying that mirroring was extra and I needed to purchase an upgrade, which was even worse. Now, as you said, if mirroring's extra, what have you actually paid for so far? Yeah, because it is a mirroring app, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. I think that's all I wanted to use it for. Um, I had a sneaking suspicion what the problem was. Um, I think that's the, the message that you would get if you were using version three. Now, obviously, I had not downloaded this from anywhere else because you only get the software when you've purchased it. And there's only one version that you can download. So I had downloaded the only version of this software that I possibly could. And it didn't seem to be right. So I thought, well, that's not right. So I came out of it again um, and then tried going back in, hoping that I wouldn't see this message. At that point, the software hung twice. So it just literally stopped responding. So not the best of experiences at all. Once I'd finally got it to the point where I was trying to mirror to it again, it was active and I was trying to mirror to it. It then said it wasn't activated and I need to start the activation process again. Yes, people can imagine what my language was like at this point. I mean, this is just terrible. By comparison with how easy reflection was, this was a horrible experience. It then finally started working and then immediately gave me a dialogue box suggesting that I install something called Perian, which um, gives you extra video formats, support for extra video formats, which I wasn't interested in because all I wanted to do was mirror my iPad to it. 
So um, I kindly avoided that suggestion. I thought, let's just get on with it. Um, at that point, it did activate. So um, once I was activated, I was good to go. What you then get is that you get a menu bar item, which you can disable it to run completely facelessly. But it puts in um, a system preferences panel and it gives you three tabs. So you have general audio and then display. What I found quite strange was as soon as you mirrored to it, the default is full screen. So again, on the dual screens, it does give you an option in the preferences of which screen, but one of them is going to be blank. There's no frame at all. So if you're recording for training or demos, um, you'd have to do something with your recording software to add that if that was a feature that you wanted. It wouldn't be tricky to do, but, you know, if you're not good with graphics then you have to get a frame and it would have been nice if that option was there. But I reckon now they've seen reflection, they'll probably add that in the future. Um, it worked again with every app that I tried and I could see the interface of my iPad as I went from screen to screen. But I had the same three issues. Um, the iPlayer just stopped working. It didn't crash the app. What happened was the screen that was being displayed on the iMac froze. The play then resumed on the iPad screen. So I've got a frozen screen on my iMac and the iPlayer playing on the iPad. So I think whatever the problem is with the iPlayer, it's the same problem with both apps, but they're responding slightly differently to it. Again, it respects the DRM, so no Sky Sports on Air server either. And again, the audio sync wasn't good. The audio sync was actually quite strange. It seemed to vary how far out it was. It wasn't something that got progressively worse. Uh, when we first went to digital TV and we had those silly boxes, you could see the um, audio sync getting worse and worse. It, it never improved. With this, it seemed to go off and then it, it came back a bit and then it went off again. So I think audio sync is something that both of the applications could work on. But apart from that, if what you want to demonstrate is software and you don't particularly need perfect audio sync, then they both seem to do the job. Um, I found reflection to be more stable. And I did have this horrible experience with Air Server. I think I know what the problem is with this Air Server, despite the fact that I do have version 4.0 installed. If you go into your apps folder and you get the info up on the app, in where it says version, instead of seeing version 4, there's just two dashes there. So I can't see the version in the info window. What I then did was I use Mac Update Desktop to update all my apps in a single update session. I ran that and it told me that the version of Air Server I had was three point something. So I think internally there's a version error with it. I am seeing a dialog box that says when I go to Air Server about that it's 4.0, but there's some mismatch somewhere with it and that's why it keeps needing to reactivate. What's going to happen when it's activated five times? I have no idea. It will probably stop working and I will probably have to contact them. This is why I don't like activated software. But as I say, they are both the same price for if you want one to install on one machine, the benefit of Air Server is that you are supposedly able to install on five machines or at least make five attempts to activate the thing, depending on how you look at it. So another option is to go the hardware route, which should give you much better quality if you want to record it. So 
We've been waiting quite some considerable time for a Black Magic Intensity Extreme, haven't we? Waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> I know it's been agony. I think it was first announced. The first time I read about it was um, NAB last year, which is April. The National was Association. It that, was it that long ago? Yeah, the National Association of Broadcasters Conference. It w- and it was just like one of these will be coming soon, and uh, it became the autumn. So it was slated for release in September, and September September came and went, as did October and November. Uh, by the end of November, they were actually taking orders for it and saying it would be out in December, which I think was the point that we placed a pre-order on the basis it would be there for Christmas and a nice toy to play with. Yes, and it wasn't. I know you spoke to them several times, me not being allowed to talk to customer service, no. it never ends well. And um, you were just getting soon, 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 weren't you? Yeah basically mm. so soon became january and january became february and then february became march and guess what yes within 24 hours of reflection they'd shipped it as we were thinking do we actually need to spend all this money um it was on its way so it is um a hdmi you get the hdmi output of your device and you send it to the mac via the device via thunderbolt it also has an analog cable for um composite you know an analog composite cable included so if you wanted to digitize old videos or something then you could do that now the thunderbolt cable is not included with it so although it says it comes with a cable because you assured me it came with a cable it did just not the one that i needed to use then you're going to need a thunderbolt cable which is 39 pounds from apple so it's so expensive because I'm sure, as we've mentioned, Thunderbolt cables aren't just a cable. It's got circuitry in it to enhance the data transfer and management. It's an intelligent cable, but it's still £39. You also will need an Apple Digital AV adapter. Uh, it's got a 30-pin connector on it to HDMI adapter from Apple, and that's £35. You will then need to connect um, that to the device, a HDMI cable. So at this point, it's £74 on cables, uh, Apple cables, and a HDMI cable before you've even got going. <laughs> yes, it's becoming more expensive by the minute. The device itself is around the £230 mark, so it's not a cheap option. You're looking at in excess of £300. device itself is an aluminium box. It's about 5 inches by 3 inches has a collection of ports on the back so you have your hdmi in you have a hdmi out for monitoring so you can plug a hdmi source into it and you can plug an output into it so if you had a hdmi tv or something you could monitor what was coming out of the device on um, a tv it has composite in and out and it has the thunderbolt connection to connect to the mac Underneath, it's got sort of a black rubber base on it to stop it sliding around the desk. To be honest, though, for all the cabling that's required, it does make for a messy workspace. Obviously, the software solution is very neat and tidy. There's no cables needed at all. Um, what made the cables worse was that the HDMI cable that I had, um, I actually had one in. It was quite an inexpensive one. But luckily, both ends on the cable um, are on a pivot so it will actually pivot round about 90 degrees, which was great for bending the cable round because the cables are so thick that they just do not bend well. Neither does the Thunderbolt cable, so it's quite awkward to work with. You've got that plug straight in the back of your Mac. It's two metres long. It's all curled up on the desk. The Blackmagic intensity itself is so light that if the cables, if they twist 
wrong can actually lift the thing off the desk. So I found it a very messy workflow. Um, it comes with basic instruction guide and a CD with drivers, but there are bang up to date beta drivers on the website. Um, the drivers themselves include some software, uh, the drivers that you need for the thing and things like speed tests and a few other utilities. It was relatively simple to set up, but it does need a reboot. At that point, you're pretty much on your own. But what you need to do is go into the Blackmagic Preferences pane and you need to set the source type. So what you need to do is to tell it what cables you've got plugged in and what you want to take the source from, because you can leave all these cables plugged in all the, all the time and then choose your source type. Then the next step is to ensure that the project settings in the software are correct. Now, there was a certain lack of information specific to the iPad and an iPhone because the device itself is generic. I mean, we looked at it solely in terms of um, how we could capture iOS device output, but it, it works with any device. So there was a certain lack of information, but 720p at 60 seems to work. So that seems to work for everything. And the iPhone works on the same setting. The device appears as a video input device in other applications. Initially, I could not get ScreenFlow to play ball with it. It just didn't want to know. I did manage to persuade it to record via the device onto a separate track. I thought the ScreenFlow did quite well, that what it did was it recorded the desktop on my Mac and it recorded the output of the iPad. And when I stopped the record and ScreenFlow came back to the front, it had actually put the iMac recording full screen and it had it had put the iPad recording in the lower right hand corner. So it had already laid it out quite nicely. Um, what was a problem was that it didn't record the system audio at all. So despite telling it to record the system sounds and the audio from my Blue Yeti, I had no audio at all. So I'm still working on that. I'm thinking Audio Hijack will come into this somewhere like it does for everything else. For the iPad display though and the capture, the quality is better than you will get with Reflection or AirServe. To be honest, for most people, I think they're going to go for the cost effective, flexible and, to be honest, more than adequate alternatives. Um, if you want full quality, then this is the way to go. But the cost is so different. Unless you're doing a lot of recording or you need the quality, I don't see people going for it. It also respects the DRM. So no Sky Sports recording for you either. No, another disappointment. No. <laughs> you kept trying, didn't you? Um, the smoothness of the capture and the quality, very, very good. I would say if I was trying to use the device to use on a webinar, it would possibly be a problem because if you use the software that comes with it and you're recording into it, the quality you see on your iMac, well, on your Mac screen isn't indicative of the, rec the finished recording. The finished recording is far better. But what you're actually seeing on your screen is a, is a much lower quality version to the point that I couldn't make out what the Wi-Fi icon was in the top left of my iPad. So you could probably use it for something like a webinar. I would not choose to, to do it like that. Uh, it, the quality just wasn't there. For live demos and training, I would use the software, but for recording, I'd use the Blackmagic. I think you'll find it needed turning off and on again. Thank you! Um, all, definitely, all three, uh, well, well, hmm, function-wise, Air Server deserves a new, but installation-wise, no. But definitely all three worth an ooh. Ooh. 
really I've got to say the U is more for the fact of what it can do because I think for two years we've been waiting for it and now we've got an abundance of riches of how to do it. So which one are you going to go for? I'm going to go for uh, Reflection and the um, Black Magic Intensity. Going for two then, yeah. You're avoiding my activated problem. Yes. I'm hoping they'll sort that out. Um, but functionally, those two pieces of software were identical and i think like you the frame is handy it it takes away one more job for you to do if you want to record it with the frame yeah so i reflection edges it slightly but good that there's competition hopefully they'll sort the audio issues out and we can go backwards and forwards from one to the other depending on how they uh, perform how they perform moving forward the hardware device very very nice i think for most people overkill although it might work better for games i dread to think what games would be like if the audio is out of sync i've not tried it with it i don't think i own a game do i i own um super monkey ball no i mean on the mac oh no no I, it would have to be an ios one wouldn't it yeah i don't think my word games would count would they bubble wrap would be fun <laughs> oh no it wouldn't it wouldn't anyway it is now time for mac, mac love bites, bites. <laughs> I was pretty in sync this time. Yes, we heard from Peter Opfold, or Strategy Oracle as he's known, with a rather insightful piece about his love for the terminal. So over to you, Peter. Hi there, this is Peter Opfold. MacBiters may know me better as Strategy Oracle, or he who is always on the MacBite's naughty step. One of the things I really love about macOS X, and was and remains a crucial factor in my choice to use a Mac, is the terminal. It's the brilliantly geeky Unix underneath of Mac OS X combined with everything else that makes the Mac what it is, for me and I think for a lot of people. It's powerful, and in its own way, it's quite elegant. As I say, it's what makes the operating system not just a pretty veneer. The Unix underneath OS X is Steve's back of the cabinet, for those of you that have read Isaacson's biography and will get that metaphor. So I'm a little bit concerned, actually, about Mountain Lion and Gatekeeper and what this might mean for those of us who very much enjoy our Unix geekery. I'm still forming my final opinions about Gatekeeper as a whole, but I'm a little worried about what the code signing limitations might mean for this kind of thing. We can turn the Gatekeeper setting to the least secure option to solve this and do everything we've done before for now, but what about the next OS X release? And the one after that? I'm sure that many people might appreciate what I'm getting at here. In the quest to consumerize the Mac in a similar way to iOS, which does have many advantages for users, I hope Apple respect the power users and Mac geeks, many of whom have helped Apple reach its current meteoric success. What happens when new APIs are only available to developers that publish in the Mac App Store, such as the Notification Center API for the Mac, for example? How far is that kind of thing going to go? What about all the very useful tools for many power users that can never meet the App Store's requirements? Are they going to eventually not be viable at all? It's something to think about and to be aware of as the march into the post-PC era begins to gather pace. I'm starting to think that perhaps I'm one of these Dark Ages PC era people that just doesn't want to accept the change. I hope I'm not the only one. And I must say, I'm a little disappointed at the underrepresentation of a certain digital assistant in episode 64. Come on, MacBite Siri! 
You know you deserve your voice heard too. As the march into the post-PC era begins to pack the... I am glad that someone realises I am the true star of the show. Classic outtake there! So you lent Peter your uncontrollable teeth? Yes. Must be something to do with recording audio. Mm. I've got to agree with everything that he says. Me too. It concerns me greatly. I've thought this for... Well, really, the first time I noticed what I'd call dumbing down, so not even really as technical as the terminal, was when they changed iCal in Leopard and it was dreadful. And I thought, please don't consumerise this anymore. Was that when we lost the um, info panel? Info panel? Yes, it was. <laughs> it was very sad. Um, I actually use applications that are not going to be able to meet Apple's requirements. Um, I'm thinking of which there's BB Edit. I made a decision with BB Edit not to purchase via the App Store because I couldn't install the terminal commands. So I'm already outside the App Store deliberately for that. Um, and they are dumbing down the software to match Apple's requirements. One of the things that I wanted to do, there was a bit of a discussion on Twitter about, um, we mentioned it, menu calendar clock, and it was broken. It was affecting the, it was taking over the dictionary shortcut. And what I ended up doing, I sort of worked around it, um, but... I wasn't happy with it. So I then took a look at Fantastical, which I bought via the App Store. And the icon was great, so I could ditch menu calendar clock, but I could not put that icon where I wanted to on the menu bar. So I was bemoaning the fact that I couldn't, and the guys from Fantastical got in touch and said that there was um, an extra on their website that you could use. So I went along and had a go. That is a whole other story, which we don't have time for today, but I promise I will detail my horrendous experience with that. And what this thing was supposed to do was you just ran it, and you could then pick the Fantastical icon up and move it to wherever you wanted. That was supposed to include to the right of the clock, that was where it all went sadly wrong. But another day. Um, and I thought, why would you have this thing extra? Why not just put it in the software in the same way that Menu Calendar Clock did? And it was because they wouldn't have been allowed in the App Store. So I can see where Peter's coming from. I'd be concerned that they would stop you doing things. I, I think they are going that way. Nobody's really up in arms about it yet. I think because it, it's going on over a long period of time, it's more a whittling away of configurable options. Um, you mentioned the terminal hack that you use. Yeah, when we when I first, was it, I think it was Lion, when I first installed Lion, um, the user libraries is hidden. And I know you can unhide it on a session by session basis i think you hold the the option key down as you go you go to the menu but there is a terminal hack that will bring it back permanently uh, so it's you know it's things like that it's you know the apps that you use and then you know things like that for i wouldn't even say power users because um it i think the the um you really just want to take the system back to what yeah, you had the in the solar. The library folder is something that that people need to use, and not not just geeks and power users. It's it's they did this with Windows, they did this with Vista. They hid a load of stuff. Mm. 
And yeah, okay, it was just a tick box um, to unhide it, which you know you didn't have to go into a DOS prompt. But still, it's it's the whittling away. It's the um, I think I dis what we, we described it like um, a car fanatic who wouldn't be able to get under the bonnet. That's what I don't want to happen. I agree. If you consumerize the Mac, then it becomes more popular. Um, you've got the halo effect from originally the iPod and now the iPhone and the iPad, and that's great. It's fantastic. I've got the same concerns that Peter has in terms of with Mountain Lion, you're going to have the gatekeeper thing, which I'm not sure, because I, I, don't, I have not looked at it, whether you can actually turn the whole thing off completely or whether you just take it down to a very low setting. Then you've got the code signing and you've got the developer IDs. Um, you've got iCloud access, I think, only if you've your your app is sold via the Mac App Store. So, like he's saying, the appy access that's only going to be available in those circumstances. It looks to me as though there could well be a death of really, truly independent software because they're just not going to have access rights to do what they need to do with the software, which... You know, I want that software so I can do those sort of things with it. There is, I'm on a BB Edit uh, discussion list and there is a discussion going on there at the moment of what the code signing and what the restrictions are going to mean moving forward for BB Edit being in the store at all. So, Peter, you are certainly not the only one with concerns. I have grave concerns as well. I just like to be able to do what I want to be able to do with it. Um, if they don't make that easy, if it's not all like you've just said in Vista, there's a checkbox. So just put a tick in a box. I'm not even asking that they make it that easy. I don't mind if I have to go to the terminal and start hacking and stuff. But if you take that option away, then you're going to make my machine less usable to me, which is never a good thing. So I'd like... I would like to see in the future I'd like actually Apple to come out and give us some idea of where they're going and not just with this business of oh we're going to have code signing it's going to be fantastic uh, you know and developers will have to have a developer ID and it'll all be safe and all secure it begins to sound a bit like Microsoft do you remember when they were doing those there was webinars and they actually came to town with, with shows and presentations about how their um, well, what did they call it I don't know Windows Guarantee or something. It was something to a do genuine with... genuine Windows Advantage. That's the thing. Genuine Windows Advantage. What they meant was they were going to have you seven ways from Sunday with licensing. And that's pretty much what they've <laughs> yeah. done. And I'm seeing that more with, with certain other software companies as well. Um, where they're spending more time thinking how they can lock things down rather than in terms of licensing and you know activation and all of that than they are actually adding the features. Screw the user, you mean. Yeah, in the nicest Apple possible are, sense. Apple are doing it as well, but they're doing it in a gentle, whittling away kind of way that no one's actually noticing. And by telling the end users that it's all fantastic and secure, mm, I'm not sold. I'm with Peter, I'm not sold. I'll wait and see how it goes, but I, I wouldn't want to have to move back to Windows. Oh, just, just thinking about it. But if I can't do what I need to do with it, I mean, we've already seen that with Lion. Um, the people who were using Wiretap, Wiretap, is it Wiretap Studio? I think so, or anywhere, I don't know. one of the two. I've, Wiretap Anywhere just doesn't work at all. Um, I think the other one is Studio. I've always used Audio Hijack, so that wasn't a problem for me. But seeing that that piece of software no longer works, they're not interested in fixing it. They're saying that Apple need to make changes. You know, if 
Audio Hijack's working, then why isn't your software working? I know a lot of people who have moved to Audio Hijack because of it, but that's just one example of a piece of software. And Wiretap Anywhere cost over $100. So it's not a cheap piece of software either. Again, you're referring back, aren't you, to the scanner incident. Are they under any obligation to update their software when, when the operating system's updated? And they've taken the approach that, no, they're not. Obviously, anybody using it, I would certainly never buy from them again because I need to be able to know that I'm going to have software moving forward, that I can do the job I was previously doing. Could it be that two operating systems down the line, you're not allowed to record audio from another application? Who knows? I certainly hope not, but I fear we're heading that way. So, oh, that was a maglov bite and a half, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared for the future. In fact, as I'm sitting here, I've just been given a message from Apple that there is a supplemental update to 10.7.3 out to fix um, Time Machine. Well, that came out a good couple of weeks ago. It's taken them this long to put out another supplemental update. Oh, Apple, please, please get, get back to when you were doing things right, because this is all very, very worrying and heading to be even more worrying. But before we head into hour two, good grief, we can chat. Uh, time for feedback and comments. Yeah, we've had a quite a few this uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, first one is from Billy Walker, uh, which uh, follows on from uh, was it Curry's? No, it's P no, PC, it was World. PC World. We're with talking me. about PC World. You know, I keep saying PC World when I mean pets at home. <laughs> Mayor doesn't mind as long as he gets in to do some shopping. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Billy said, "Thought you might like this about Curry's, as your experiences in PC World are hilarious." I just wondered what the letters C. <sighs> say that again s-c-a-r-t meant the callow youth pondered this for a couple of seconds and replied that's your scar socket for the scart lead <laughs> that actually reminds me not of curries oh no this was comet this was a good few years ago i went into comet and um we were looking for a dvd recorder we it, this was about 2004 we were on the the real early adoption stage and I wanted to know what ports it had on the back in terms of me plugging in videos and other devices so I could use the DVD recorder to record old videos. So I said, um, can I see the manual please? So I picked out the model I wanted and there's, like you say, the callow youth who wanders over, sniffs, wipes his hand on the back of his shirt and says, how can I help you? <laughs> You're there, aren't you? And um, I said, yeah, can I, sit, can I read the manual? Can I have a look at the manual, please? What for? I can tell you everything you need to know, said callow youth. I thought, right, OK, then. So I launched forth about inputs and outputs and this type and that type and digital and how many scart sockets it had, whether they were bi-directional. And he looked at me and he, and he just went, I'll go and get you the manual. <laughs> So this is why I'm not allowed in there on my own anymore. No. Oh, I hate shops. I really, really, really hate shops. That one was pretty lucid. A lot of them can't even speak. Uh, so onward. Uh, yes, Minster. Mm. Two shows in quick succession. You're spoiling us. Slight hiatus, Minster, but not to worry. Um, he says, great show packed with laughter and danger for my daily commute. Cycling is just not the same without MacBytes. Well, we've got you covered with this long one, Minster. He also says, poor old Matt Bites Siri, that's how Skynet started, so be warned. We all know how it turned out. Mmm. And um, later on, much later on, he said he finally got a clear hour to sit down and read the Matt Bites iBook. And it was amazing. Even a funny looking bloke in it with short <laughs> hair. Do you think Minster's grown his hair? Well, well I have. 
Hmm, we need a new picture, Minster. Uh, we also heard from Evie Bancroft, who said she's loving the Mac Bites the iBook. It's amazing. There's so much content. I'll be busy all weekend. Thanks for making it. David Hopkinson said he enjoyed the iBook. Uh, congrats. And I was asking him about how he got on with the quizzes. And he said the only question he got wrong was the year that you switched from PowerPC to Intel. He didn't think it was that long ago. So I'm giving nothing away. I'm not telling you when, but he didn't think it was as long ago as it was. Now, Jane said with the quizzes, the quizzes were great fun. She hadn't realised at first there were five questions in each section. But she has now. So we're all ready for another one, I think. Um... Dan A says, uh, this was on Twitter, that he really enjoyed Simon's comments on the last show. And it says that um, it shows that a Mac experience needn't cost thousands. As I said, Simon is a man with a plan. So, uh, yes, it was a really good piece that we enjoyed that too. And we are on to events. We've got a very busy week. In fact, we've got a very busy couple of months, haven't we? We have. We start on Wednesday with the Mac Bites Live. Yes, I've titled it See and Touch. Yeah. But I'm saying nothing else about that. I'm not calling it iPad 3. I'm not. So as I've said, it is 5.30 GMT. We will be providing our usual chat room, our raucous chat room, and also an audio-only feed. We have people coming back from Focus on Imaging who would like an audio-only feed. So we have you covered. So we'll put those links out on Twitter and on the website on the day. Uh, then, straight away, the next day. Jane's going to be exhausted, isn't she? Ah, sorry about that, Jane. Yes, we are rerunning the iBooks author event, the iBooks author webinar. So see how I created uh, MacBytes iBook. Um, of course, even if you attended the first one, we've now got some great software to show the iBook on the iPad. So it'll be a much better experience than me flicking on a camera, unless you particularly like me clicking on a camera but we won't go there and we've also got lots more live events coming up too so we've got uh, the week after snap heel which is a fantastic image editor we've also got snapseed snapseed of course is available for the phone and the ipad as well as the mac and oh with the software we've now got to share the ipad who knows which ones i'll be showing and then we go back to iBooks Author to look at iBooks Author templates and how you can bake your own. Before you wow us again with more Inbox Zero, which you did last week. I did. You did. Well, we're revisiting that. Part two. This one's called Inbox Zero, Black Belt Hero. I know. Anyway. I'm a uh, poet and I didn't know it. Yes, I think it was me that came up with that, but never mind. <laughs> um, yes, it'll be uh, more practical. First one was very theoretical. Second one, very, very practical. So details of all of those are on mapbyteslearning.co.uk. But for now, yes, it's been a long one. That is it for this episode of MacBytes. We would love to hear from you. So questions, comments, queries by email to mapbytesuk at gmail.com or use the contact form on the website or indeed take Peter's lead and Simon's lead and send us an audio file. And you can also leave a comment on the show notes at mapbytes.co.uk. Send your Matt Love Bites in to us. And of course, like us on Facebook. I even ventured in there today, didn't I? I got a follow request, so or whatever you do on. It's friends on Facebook, isn't it? Oh, whatever. Whatever, I got I one and I went so. in. Friends and, po friends and pokes, isn't it? Uh, oh, don't don't start <laughs> again. Um, you can also sign up for the newsletter at markbites.co.uk. We have we put that back. We had a bit of a system fail with our provider. So um, hopefully that'll be back by now. If there is no sign up for the newsletter, you know what went wrong. Provider. Terrible. 
You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash mattbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter, twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Siri. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. I trust my appearance fears in the post. What? Come on, you know we do this for the love of it. Idiots.